Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Bank Tech Ventures, the first strategic investment fund designed by the community banking industry for community bank innovation and investment. BankTech identifies leading products and technologies for community banks and works with the founders and management teams to maximize the impact for both the community banks and their businesses. If you're a bank looking to innovate and, and invest in the future, or you're a founder who wants to work with community banks, reach out to BankTech Ventures at banktechventures.com. I have one of those on the podcast today, and I'm super excited to have Kat Berman with me. We've known each other actually for several years. I think we met about five years ago at South by Southwest briefly, and I was so impressed with her then. And it's really cool how the way uh, life works and brought her all the way to here today um, through the company that she is running called Sino. And so she's the founder CEO, and it's a women-led impact investment platform. And we'll talk a lot more about that and how she's driving it to scale, and also how we are super excited to be an investor in Cno through Bank Tech Ventures. Um, Kat is also a serial entrepreneur with a really a lifetime focus on social impact. She's also been an exec at companies like Charles Schwab and a venture firm called Asia. She's been recognized by many over her career for her influence, for her profound creativity, and the impact that she drives through her work. And I just thoroughly enjoy listening to her talk. Uh, we'll listen intently anytime, as she always has such amazing insights to share. Kat, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Carrie. What a wonderful introduction, and just so excited to talk to the BTV community and audience. Well, thank you. So let's start with a little bit more about you and C-Note. Uh, as I mentioned, we met several years ago, and the company's kind of morphed from where it was when we first met to where it is today. But let's go back to the beginning a little bit. Let's start with the founding idea. What what led you to really start C-Note from the beginning? Absolutely. So I think it was really the confluence of two events. At the time, I was working at a major financial services firm running a division there. And you know, two critical events were happening. One was seeing the rise of what is now called ESG or environmental, social, and governance lens on investing. Um, at the time, some of us called it value-based investing, some of mm -hmm. us called it impact investing. But what was really happening was um, you know, a, a momentum around ESG investing and assets flowing, frankly, from some of our largest clients into um, socially responsible or ESG investing. So that was kind of one critical event. And then the second critical event was the wealth gap that, in my humble opinion, was a wealth chasm. You know, right here where we were based, um, San Francisco, um, we saw this incredible um, divide between those who are making, you know, massive sums of money to those who were having to work three jobs just to make ends meet. And so watching kind of the economic inequity that was happening in this country, at the same time, we saw assets blowing um, based around their values, really gave me the motivation to wonder, could we do something different with finance? Could we actually use this tool called finance 
as an opportunity to create more economic justice, create more economic opportunity in all corners of the United States. Um, and so I left my uh, job at that financial services firm to really start looking into how we can use finance as a tool for change and really address the racial wealth gap in the United States. I am delighted to say I have been a fan of community finance for years. And so the first place I went to on that journey was to interview my friends in community finance. And these are people who worked at CDFI loan funds, community banks. And I said to them, you know, I've always thought you were on the forefront of serving community, of really addressing mm. economic um, opportunity. What are you seeing and what do you need? And what I heard again and again from those colleagues and friends was number one, visibility. Oftentimes, you know, our friendly community bank is not seen as that agent for change or is not really valued for the amazing work they do day in, day out for their community. So there's a visibility issue mm -hmm. that is very present. And then second was capital. Um, because of that, you know, they were often trying to find new opportunities for growth, not new opportunities for equity and deposits, um, but we're constantly going back to the same well. And so if they were going to grow and really continue to serve in a meaningful way, what are those opportunities to gain more support? And so with all of that under my belt and with an incredible co-founder, um, Yulia Tarasova, who's a tremendous woman in finance, we got together and started this company, C-Note. Um, and really the, the thesis of C-Note is that there is a... Um, a massive market opportunity called um, ESG investing that is on the table right now. And with the power of technology, we can move those deposits, that cash that's a part of ESG investing into incredible community banks like those that are listening on this podcast to do some real good, to both help that bank grow, help that meet its intentionality around things like ESG and DEI, and ultimately do transformative good for the racial wealth gap in this country. Very cool. Well, thank you for that introduction. Let's talk a little bit about you know, where, where this is also gone is that in the beginning, from what I remember, you were, were, were appealing to consumer uh, cash to yeah. try to help move that. And really, you've turned your attention to this huge untapped opportunity of some of the largest companies out there, many of whom you've started to to partner with. And so what was it that really opened your eyes or opened that opportunity up? Yeah, well, I think there's a few things. I think first is, you know, what you mentioned about cash. Um, for so many years, and I would say even today, when most folks think about, you know, ESG investing, they don't often think about cash. They don't often think, wow, if I just moved my deposit into something more meaningful, like a community bank, I could do some real good. And so I think the first you know, highlight is really knowing that and seeing what an amazing um, investment you know, and, and ESG tool cash can, can be. And then you know, we started focused on the consumer because there were a lot of people who felt like me, quite frankly, who felt like they sit on deposits and wonder what's going on with those deposits. I know they're not sitting in the vault collecting dust. And so, you know, scratching their head going, I wonder if there's a better place or a better use for where my dollars sleep at night. And so, you know, our journey, as you, as you remarked, really started with individuals to understand if we could mobilize their deposits into 
our network of community finance institutions. Um, and the inflection point really happened um, around 2020 when we started getting approached by corporations, first mm. by MasterCard, then PayPal, then others, who we had by that point had gotten a reputation in this space. We've gotten a reputation for you know, being really strong at underwriting community finance institutions, including community banks and um, loan funds, um, really strong at underwriting the impact. So understanding how to both identify what a bank's impact is and mm -hmm. then tell that story, right? And help that bank really highlight their success and highlight their community good. Um, and, and then of course, be able to make a connection for investors, provide a really easy interface and technology tools. So investors would want to move deposits. Um, and so with that reputation, I'm fortunate to say, we started getting calls from corporations who said, we heard you're the ones that do this and do mm -hmm. this at scale. How would you feel if we kind of hopped on your platform and started using it to move our deposits? And that was really the beginning of a snowball, um, where we realized, Number one, it was time to get enterprise ready <laughs> and that we had some, you know, great ways to tweak our technology mm -hmm. to make sure that, you know, even the largest of public companies could utilize it for their treasury, you know, in, in complement of their treasury and finance operations. Um, and number two, that this was in a, a very much, how do I want to put it, setting the, setting the path for the future, that in fact, this ask of can I move more money to meet ESG goals or move more deposits to deepen what I believe is the right thing to do around DEI was on the agenda of every public company we were looking at. Um, and so it just became very clear very quickly, both because it was um, became just such a critical part of running a, a public corporation. Um, and it was a you know agenda item that wasn't going anywhere. And given the change and the and the visibility of um, such devastating events such as George Floyd, you know, this was one of this dream uses of our technology, right? Is to really get to work with large institutional investors looking to do this at scale, looking to do this in a very measurable, intentional way, and create variable impact. Um, that corporations were going to be a very strong and important client and partner for us in the future. Okay, thank you. So you and I've talked a lot about how, and you you alluded to this earlier, and that you you've become really good at helping these community financial institutions to really take credit and tell the story of the impact that they having that they have. And you know, I think what we find is that a lot of them do this as just their normal course of business, and so they they don't take credit or often get credit for it. Why, why do you think that is, that that doesn't naturally happen? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first is the the way that most of our community bank partners, um, the culture and the way that they work. And I'll start with, you know, let's honor they work in a highly regulated environment. And so in this environment, it is, you know, very much about what the regulators need to see um, or want to see and being compliant. And so when you think about pulling in other metrics, right, you know, one of the first things many of our community banks have told us is, you know, there are questions that they would have loved to ask, but their regulators won't let them. And so I think with that out of the gate, knowing that there are certain kind of uh, demographic or racial questions that they were never allowed to ask, there was a little bit of, um, you know, apprehension to start, you know, moving data or questions in that, in that, uh, in that pattern. 
I think the second was it's the culture of running a bank, right? I mean, most of our bank partners are for-profit businesses. And so, you know, it is, it is a lot about what's going to do a, what's going to provide a clear ROI and help grow and sustain the business. And there hasn't been always a clear delineation of why or how one's impact would actually help with that. I mean, oftentimes for many of our community bank partners, they thought their first thought about impact was philanthropy, right? Is what are, mm-hmm. the, what are the grants that I gave last year to my community? But what we find is when you delve deeper, you find that there's a lot more under that hood around the incredible work they're doing for their community way beyond the grant that they gave last year. Um, but so I think part of it is again, the culture of running a for-profit business um, without seeing an ROI previously on why the work that they're already doing could be so meaningful to their growth and profitability and um, is another reason. And then third, again, part of it is just access to the expertise. Um, you know, we have at CNET, we've pulled together uh, an impact evaluation survey um, profile and system where we help community banks tell their story and understand their metrics. And that comes with um, industry experts that have spent decades working in community finance and folks that come from places like the Aspen Institute and others. And so those that type of background you often don't find sitting in the middle of a community bank. And so I think a third piece is really, you know, that expertise that can go in and say, don't don't give me anything new. Don't go and find new data. Um, let me just see what you already have mm. um, so that we can really understand what you're already doing that has positive impact and then help you pull out those metrics and tell those stories. So I think lack of that technology and lack of that expertise has made it very challenging for banks of all sizes to really get to the heart of impact data and impact reporting. Okay, that's that's super helpful. Is it fair for me to speculate that the highest impact happens in somewhat unscalable ways where it requires, you know, humans touching other humans. And those are things that a lot of the biggest companies just can't manage at scale. Yeah, I I think, I think that is true. And it gets to kind of what is that comparison that we see with the ability to do positive impact when you're a smaller community bank versus a massive, you know, national or international bank. And we absolutely think it starts with that community-centered approach. Uh, there is nothing like knowing your customers. There is nothing like um, knowing your community and knowing what they need. And we see that show up in a bunch of different ways in terms of our community bank partners. I'll tell you, one is their ability to be very place-based, right? And so mm-hmm. when you talk to a bank that's focused on a very specific you know, part of the country, they can talk about everything from how weather patterns have changed the type of products they offer to you know how industries have moved out and what they're doing about it, right? It's very place-based. Um, and the beauty of that is that matters. That matters a lot to large impact investors, especially large corporations who are often headquartered in one of those places or have employees in some of those places. So I think the ability to care and focus on very specific places is definitely one of the unique benefits um, and strengths around how, how smaller community banks can, can really take advantage of impact investing. I think another is, you know, obviously the very specific community needs. We have quite a few banks who've done tremendous product development um, because of their specific needs. And that could be, you know, as a result of a natural disaster, that could be as a result of just, again, you know, labor market changes, but, you know, being really, being able to really innovate 
um, and being nimble um, to, to the degree you can is something I think our community banking partners have over a lot of these larger, um, you know, nationwide um, organizations. Um, and, and I will say it is, you know, back to your question about, you know, getting, getting credit, um, there, when we, when we dive into, um, discussing with community banks, what they're doing, we are never short of beyond impressed because mm -hmm. as I shared, um, they're offering, they often are completely underestimating, um, how powerful the work they're doing is because it's just their job. It's what they've sure. done for years, right? They've right. been bank, right. a community bank for 50 years, and this is how we give back. And this is how we treat our community. And this is how we think about products. And that's just the way they do business. And then when we come in and say, wow, well, what would you say if I told you that Apple is totally inspired by the way you do business and the how you do business and the products you offer is exactly the type of financial inclusion or innovative product offering they're looking to support. And they'd love to move your deposits into your bank because of what you're already doing. And you just get this incredible, right? Like shocked and excited expression. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of the, you know, why we haven't seen the obvious connection between community banks and impact investing is I don't think it was a clear bridge before of how what community banks do is so meaningful and so important for many of these large corporations and impact investors to achieve their goals um, and support uh, more financial inclusion and equity. Um, through the channel of community banking. Yes. Uh, it's funny, Kat, I don't know if I, I've talked to you about this. I've said to a lot of the uh, banks that I work with that in many respects, they've taken this moniker of independent community bank to literally. And, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's such a unique feature of the U.S. economy that we have all these community financial institutions that have allowed these disparate, in some cases, very small communities to be served that in other countries, they're just not because right. you have just a small number of financial institutions. And so I think, you know, the, the beauty of what you're doing is helping that to be better recognized. And I think hopefully will will reinforce the overall impact that they do have in, in communities all over the country. Absolutely. We think that that so many of our, I mean, all of our community partners on all community banking partners on our platform are such forces for good. And they have been kind of behind the scenes doing this good. And we are so excited to get it in front of everyone's attention and allow them to get the, the visibility, the support, the growth, the deposits um, for just doing what they've already been doing for decades, but really shining a light on, you know, that impact that they've made and continue to make and how much more impact they could make if they were given more of that capital and opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, it really is a, a, a very critical time in history where we're seeing, you know, um, shared values align, we'll just say, of those who are trying to do something meaningful with the community banks that are already doing it. Yep. So, you you know, I see you as on this mission to making CNO this primary marketplace for aligning the capital to the various impacts that corporations want to, to have. You know, you've mentioned ESG a couple times and even kind of the metrics and, and guidelines around that. Are you seeing wide variance in what the companies want to actually see and do at this point? 
Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely not say wide variance. And the reason I say that is because I think in general, there's a desire to see it put to work for greater economic mobility. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what all of our community banking partners do. So I think that's a very common theme. And then you get more specific. And unfortunately, you know, we work with a really sophisticated database that can get as granular to, you know, where's geographically where a bank is focused, but also thematically what they actually work on throughout the organization um, and, and the proof points behind that. And so you do find there are community banks um, that are working on very specific small business efforts, right, to get more small business empowerment. You're getting others working on, you know, a climate issue as it relates to, um, you know, solar lending, um, you know, and so there are quite a few different themes that we're seeing that tie into what corporations care about. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the, the geographical region, the geographic regions, plus the financial inclusion, financial opportunity um, hallmark that is, you know, this segment of community banking, I think just is a natural tie in for most corporations. Yep, makes makes sense. So we talked earlier, you, you've been a serial entrepreneur as well. This isn't your first go around with C-Note. What have you learned from your prior endeavors that has helped you this time around? Yeah, I would say, you know, fall in love with the problem and fall in love with the mm -hmm. client. You know, mm -hmm. I, I would mm -hmm. say um, I am so passionate about what we do. And part of it comes from my background, quite frankly. So, you know, we serve um, so many communities, um, working with first time entrepreneurs, first time homeowners, um, you know, we work with community banks who are really trying to address, um, low to moderate income communities, um, and some who are just doing really interesting product innovation to, to open up, you know, the aperture of who actually gets access to capital or, or new opportunities. And, you know, that story of access to capital, uh, is actually very close at heart. And I don't even know if you know this about me, Carrie, but, you know, my background is um, uh, come from a first generation Argentine family where my abuelo made it in this country through entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, and he has plenty of failed stories on entrepreneurship and access to capital. And, um, you know, it really is about that, those community finance partnerships that give you that first shot, right? They give you that first loan, they give you that first savings account, right? That entrusts you to be a financial partner um, that can make so much difference for anyone in this country and certainly for a first-generation immigrant family like mine. Um, and so I, I think I get really excited um, to see others, you know, passionate as well about this mission and about using finance as a tool for change. So I think number one in answer to your question is just really feeling close to what one's trying to achieve mm -hmm. um, and beyond just in, in exciting and massive market opportunity, what's that personal connection to you have to wanting to see it in the world? So I think that's been a real um, exciting part of my journey. And then I think second, you know, in terms of just more, you know, business practical is it is all about the team. And I think probably most of your listeners know that, but, you know, no, no successful company is done from just having a great CEO. It really is about building a world-class team that shares the passion, that shares the mission, that set, that shares the desire to be a high-performance, scalable company. Um, so I think you know, really, reliance and, and building of a world-class team is is the second. And then third, I would say, and this comes up a lot in everything that we do at CNO, a, a critical value of ours as a company is empathy. 
And I know that's not something that usually comes up in most folks board meetings, um, but for us, we think it's uniquely important given this time in history. So many of our community bank partners have never thought about impact investors, have never considered Apple or Patagonia or, you know, um, PayPal or, you know, many of AMD, any of our clients as potential clients for them. They thought, mm -hmm. where, how am I going to get a damn Netflix's calendar? Right. And sure. yet we are literally opening up that door for them to walk through and have any of those names as clients of their bank. And so I think the empathy piece is so important to our work to understand what, what is it like to be that community banking president or CEO? What are they struggling with? What do you, how, you know, what does that day-to-day -day look like in this, you know, talent war? You know, what does the day-to-day -day look like in this um, high inflation environment? And so, you know, and then what is, and then what is that, what we're bringing at C-Note, how does that play into their strategy for growth and uh, expansion? And so I think, I do think um, empathy is a key value and a key part of um, C-Notes uh, work that we use, not just in understanding what our community banker um, partners are going through and hoping to achieve, but also our corporate partners, right? Why would they want to be aligned with a community bank based in New York or Savannah or Detroit? Um, or, you know, and, and frankly, all of the folks and stakeholders along the way that we engage. So I would say that was the third thing I've learned over the years is there's a lot of great um, HBR articles and a lot of great uh, management consulting frameworks, but I think one of the best tools in our toolkit is empathy. Hmm. Well, I, I have empathy for you. Uh, <laughs> you're you're growing a, a company at a time that has historically been one of the most challenging in history for recruiting world-class talent. Yep. Um, but you also have the the fact that you're doing it into an impact organization. I've, I've also worked in a couple, you know, kind of purposeful impact fintech companies. How, how are you using that to your advantage to win this war on war for talent? Yeah, um, I am delighted to share that even in this crazy recruitment environment, we typically get over 300 applicants applying to every job we post mm. in a matter of uh, a week. Um, and I say that with tremendous gratitude and humility um, because wow and wow um, and I you know I've, I really try to look at how that happens and why that mm -hmm. happens and mm -hmm. and um, I, I do think a lot has to do with what you just said Carrie which is it is very clear our mission and our intention and what we're looking to do and it is nothing short of historic the fact that you know we can have make a massive dent in the wealth gap in the United States and really touch so many corners of the country that have been left out of community banking or been left out uh, of access to capital. Um, the fact we can mobilize the over 4 trillion of deposits that sit on corporate balance sheets, right? Um, it is no small feat and no small goal that we have at C-Note. And so I think um, anyone who is interested or passionate um, about financial inclusion um, or community finance, or frankly, just, you know, everyone getting a shot at financial independence um, can start getting behind what we're trying to achieve and, and at the level of scale that we're looking to do it. So I think that has really rooted folks um, and attracted some excellent talent our way as we as we post. I'd say that's number one. 
Um, and then number two, and I'm sure, you know, you and your audience have heard this before, but it's, it's culture because mm -hmm. it's not about, it's not just about retracting the right talent. It's about retaining them. Does no good to attract, you know, your top candidate if you lose them two months later. And so I think being very intentional about the culture we create at CNOTE, um, again, we do work with awesome community banks who have, you know, a lot of demands placed on them and often wear multiple hats and work in a highly regulated environment, right? So, so how do you create a culture of um, innovation and flexibility and service, right, to really meet them where they are? Um, and likewise, on the corporate side, how do you really create a culture of education? And again, empathy. So corporations who are doing this for the first time, who've never worked with, let's say, a minority deposit institution, but have always wanted to, who've never worked with a technology platform or data like ours, where you can suddenly meet with thousands of community banks in this way, you know, how do you, how do you meet them where they're at? So I do think um, the, the culture piece and creating a culture where people are excited to come to work and proud to come to work is key. For sure. For sure. Have you, just as a little bit of a counterpoint to that, have you encountered any challenges with that? You know, as I think about some of my past, you know, one of the, one of the challenges, and I've, I've had to do a number of one-on-ones over these companies where I've said, look, we're, we are a high purpose organization, but by no means are we perfect. We are pushing the edge of the envelope. We're, we're trying to be a, a beacon of light in the world, but we're never going to be perfect. And sometimes that high impact, high aspiration type of organization um, can't live up to some of the ideals that um, particularly, I feel like some younger talent uh, places on on the the company. So, have you run into any of those kinds of challenges? Which I always find a, an interesting opportunity to to try to find a a middle ground. Yeah, we use um, um, the phrase "Don't make perfect the enemy of good" mm, a lot. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and the reason one. is, to your point. Um, you know, it is easy to lose sight of how far we've come and how much we're doing yes. um, and just focus on what's not happening. And I think most of us on this call can agree we have a lot of work to do as it relates to really, um, you know, moving ESG dollars to where they actually do good versus just do greenwashing, right? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. moving deposits in a thoughtful way so the community banks um, truly get supported on their terms um, and get the visibility they deserve. And so we have a lot to do. And absolutely, you can kind of get lost in the like, oh, it's 2022, why aren't we farther or into that kind of perfection? And I think I try my best and our, our senior leadership also does a great job pulling folks back and just saying, look how far we've come. I would say at C-Note, it's a little bit easier because we we measure our own impact as well. So we don't mm -hmm. need, we help community banks measure their impact, but we also do a firm, an annual firm impact report. Mm. Because if you're going to trust us to tell your story and, you know, understand your data, you want to know we're the experts in this. And so we sure. actually have a report that we issue as well that talks about how we walk the walk in DEI on hiring practices and talks about the thousands of jobs we've created with the way that money has been moved into community and, and so forth. And so I think that helps a little because at least shows folks like, no, we actually have done a lot of progress. Yes. Um, but, but I would definitely say to your point, I think there is a real important managing of expectations um, and not letting perfection um, be the, you know, be the stalwart or, you know, the yes. barrier for doing some really great work. Yeah, so, so good. 
So we're both kind of immersed in the middle of this whole fintech uh, revolution that's that's happened to really digitize financial services in a, in a radical way. Mm-hmm. And I think many people saw this, particularly in the community financial institutions, happen mm-hmm. at an accelerated rate uh, by by COVID's uh, you know forcing function of hey the branches aren't open the alternatives aren't going to exist at least for a while. What, as you look more broadly, any things that you would say are the biggest technology changes you're seeing around banking that you're just watching? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's so many. And I would say one of the most exciting things is our work with community banks and all of their um, technology roadmaps, technology exploration, everything. I mean, I just think it's it's an absolute time of evolution and um, inspiration throughout our community bank ecosystem. So, so more than I can possibly share, but I'll just say, I'll just name a few, you know, to state the obvious, the digital experience of customers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I think a lot of our community bank partners were doing what they could do prior to COVID. And then all of us really had to up level in the midst of a global pandemic to say, oh, wow, um, my customers aren't coming into my branch and I need to figure out what to do. So the digital experience of customers, and even those who are farther along, you know, even moving to the next level, um, has been fun to see. So I think that is a massive part of the innovation strategy of a lot of our community banking partners. I think the second I'm seeing is around alternative data. And so, you know, obviously for years, many of us operated with the same credit box, and this is how we made our underwriting decisions. And I'm seeing more and more of our community bank partners explore alternative data sets, and and mostly with partners, mostly with looking at um, vetted um, technology partners that do this, do this well, and have done this for other banks. Um, but really interesting to see a lot of the innovations come out around other ways, um, are there at least data inputs a bank can use as they think about credit scores or decision-making? Um, and then last, I would say is obviously, you know, access to new sources of, um, capital. And obviously from our way, mm-hmm. from our piece, you know, that's deposits is, you know, our ability to drive deposits. Um, to community banks from impact investors. And again, at no cost, you know, we don't charge a fee for this. Our, our, our program for community banks is completely free. Um, and so being able to bring the legal, the technology um, to bear um, for banks of any size, I think has been pretty exciting because that's the other piece of this story, I would say. You know, when you we use the word technology, it means very different things for a very, very small bank versus, right, a mid to large size bank, yes. as you know. And so, you know, I think, I think we're just very um, committed to meeting a bank where they're at um, and understanding that, you know, the technology roadmap of each of these banks varies to such large degrees. Have you had many questions or, or how do you think about translating, you know, you're, you're meeting some of the most successful and biggest companies in the world. Are there things from what you see with them that you can even bring to community banks or are they asking you, Kat, you know, what, what could we learn from PayPal or AMD or, or one of your other clients? Yeah, well, I think, I think education is key here because most of our corporate partners um, are not as familiar, truly, at some of the products, um, programs, good our community bank partners are already delivering. And so, um, you know, oftentimes we'll either start with a certain segment or a certain geography, right, as an example. So if a company is headquartered in a certain place, right, who are those community banks in that region? 
um, who are already doing that great work for mm -hmm. your employees, for your clients, for that community. Um, and so I think number one is just, you know, the education that, that they learn about what is already happening um, in those specific geographies. And then, and then I think, again, the uniqueness of the product set, um, we're often seeing some really exciting um, and important products, whether it's low cost loans or auto loans, or, you know, on the cursory, you look at the website and you go, well, why, you know, why would this mortgage seem impactful? Or what would an, what does an auto loan really mean to someone's livelihood? And then we translate that to a real story from a real community bank where we say, well, let me give you an example of this young lady who, because she was able to get uh, a, you know, a relationship with this wonderful community bank and secure an auto loan, she was able to literally triple her income um, because she was now able to finally get a job outside of her area, outside of her neighborhood. Um, triple. Imagine what that feels like for a low-income um, individual or family member. And so that's all from one bank giving one auto loan. Um, and, and so anyway, so again, back to education, it's, it's the storytelling and it's the sharing of the good that's being done. And then of course it's the connectivity. Then how do we connect them to the bank in a meaningful way that's, that's easy for that corporation. So, um, I would say that a lot of the, um, a lot of what the big corporations are learning is the good that's already being done and the opportunity to use those deposits um, as a source of change, as a source of impact in a way that they very much underestimated previously. Hmm. Uh, so snap your fingers, you're now the CEO of a community bank. What are the couple things that you would be stressing to your team in the bank? Yeah, I'll answer this with a lot of humility because I have so yeah. much respect for my banking colleagues who are juggling so much. I mean, they always are, but now more than ever. Um, so I would probably say, you know, one thing, a few things that I would be thinking about as a as a community bank president, I'd say, you know, what's on everybody's top mind, which is technology. How do I use technology to make my bank um, more efficient, um, more profitable? more impactful? How do I use it, you know, throughout to make it a better experience for my clients? Um, so and for my community. So I think looking at technology is not kind of a blunt tool, but literally a tool that I would use it as a lens for everything I do and really try to understand where it can have the most success. Because I do think especially for smaller banks, it's not the perfect tool, right? Mm -hmm. There's quite mm -hmm. a few things that still need to be hand to hand, com you know, you know, hand to hand combat. Um, just to get things done, right? Or because it's more personal. Um, um, so, so I'd say number one is, is technology. I'd say the second um, is the open mind of reimagining the story of my bank. I think oftentimes, again, we think of um, our bank having one identity um, or one value proposition. And I think what we're learning is banks are so much more interesting than that. And I say mm -hmm. this you know, even as many of our community banks seek to attract younger clients, for example, or seek to engage a more digital presence, um, you know, telling the history of your bank or showing the community impact um, or really highlighting certain product sets can all be uh, very exciting ways to reintroduce a bank uh, to new clients or to existing clients and deepen the relationship. Um, and of course, expand partnerships. And so I do think there's a lot of reimagining what's possible um, that I would hope that I could do um, 
as I think about where we could go and how we could grow. Mm. Yeah, that that one I think has so many layers of of potential too. That the, the last point, because of just to your point, you be, how do you become? I, I I've been using this term lately. Of I call it uh, employer of consideration. If you're mm. a young, high potential uh, talent, you know, what, how would you even put a community bank on your radar as an example yeah. as, oh, maybe this is a place I could go have really positive impact, do great work, and feel like I am moving something important forward in the world. And and I think in some cases, maybe they've lost their attraction, but I think there's a huge opportunity, as you said, to reimagine that story. And yeah. there is... There's a lot. I think you you can help a lot with that uh, as well. So we're running out of time, unfortunately. I know we could talk for hours. Final question today. If you think ahead, let's say five years from now, Kat, what is the biggest impact that C-Note has had in our world in your mind? I'd say first and foremost, it's really advancing this incredible community finance industry as um, the change agent they deserve to get recognized for and being on the balance sheet of all major corporations. So there's no reason why community banks should not be um, working with household names mm -hmm. and delivering the type of service relationships and impact that they're already doing for their local communities. I think number one is normalizing <laughs> community mm -hmm. finance and community banks as an awesome partner um, for large uh, institutions and large impact investors. So the institutionalization of it is number one. And the number two, the impact that comes out of it. What if we really did give community banks the support that they need and deserve? What would that look like? And obviously our thesis is at CNOTE is we would see transformative change in our communities as it relates to access to capital, access to opportunity and leveling the playing field. So I'd say, let's normalize this. And then let's shrink that wealth gap. Oh, let's do it. Kat, thank you so much for joining me, for leading by an example as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as an advocate for the ability to do so much more and have so much more impact through business. I'm super excited as well because we finally, after all these years, get to partner together. That's right. That's right. Now, so excited to get to work on this with you, Carrie. Um, and like I said, such a pleasure to get to work with an inspiring community. Well, thank you again and super excited for what's ahead. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.